or rejoicing. And joy or rejoicing. One of the reasons we just got done with the uh, celebrating the Christmas, and one of the reasons I love Christmas is because uh, there's so much joy around it for obvious reasons, uh, celebrating the birth of the Savior, and it's such a, or should be such a joyful time of the year. Uh, we have so much to celebrate around it, and that's one of the reasons I, I enjoy it, um, because of the joy around it. Uh, people that maybe have trouble being joyful around Christmas time get in the, get in the spirit. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're a Grinch and don't get in the spirit. But, uh, there's so much joy around and, and joy can be contagious at times. Uh, but Christmas is filled with joy, but we also see, uh, that kids are filled with joy and if you combine kids and Christmas, you have a lot of joy, don't you? I mean, there's just a sense of excitement. There's a, uh, you know, how many days and, you know, our kids uh, have calendars in their room and they're, you know, marking off days. You know, they can't wait until Christmas. And then when they learn how many days it is until the next Christmas rolls around. Oh, are you kidding me? Well, how long till my birthday? You know, there's just kids have a sense of joy and are able to to pass that joy on. Uh, going out to to the care center, to the nursing home here in town, uh, I can talk to residents and ma- might get a smile occasionally. Kids, they see a kid and immediately a smile comes on their face. Why? Kids, kids have a sense of bringing joy to people's hearts. Uh, if I if I show up out there without the kids, they say. Where are the kids at? You know, why? Why are you here? But there's no kids here. Kids have a sense of bringing joy. And in Philippians chapter 4, we see the command of, that Paul gives to rejoice. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. And he says, Therefore, my brethren, this is chapter 4 of Philippians. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Eodia and I implore Sintich to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help those women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we open up your word tonight, I pray that your spirit truly would be our guide, that you would lead me in the things that you want me to say, that uh, we would learn to rejoice Lord, your word commands it, and I pray that we would quick, be quick to obey. Lord, I thank you for this passage that we have read and that you desire to use it in our lives, and I pray that we would be willing vessels. In your name I pray, amen. Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. was a member of the Supreme Court for 30 years and a beloved member, and uh, at one point in his life, Justice Holmes explained uh, his choice of career by saying, I may have entered the ministry, 
if certain clergy I knew had not looked and acted so much like undertakers. No offense to undertakers, right? But there's a seriousness that comes with being an undertaker. And, and he said, maybe if, uh, maybe if the uh, preachers had a little bit more joy in their life, I would have ended up in that line of work. Um, in talking of joy, I think of the, the song that is a kid song. I have the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart, right? Okay, we'll stop there. Uh, and sometimes we may have it in our heart. But it needs to get up into our face and into our our actions, into our motives. The song doesn't say I'm going to keep it buried in my heart for nobody to see. But we are to have the joy of the Lord. And Paul talked much in his writings of to be to rejoice, to be filled with joy. If you look at his life, it was one in a service to the Lord filled with beatings, imprisonments, shipwreck. It wasn't one that you say. Man, if you want to have a happy life, follow Paul's example. But if you want to have a life filled with joy, Paul obviously gives us a great example to follow. And we see that joy is a major theme in the Bible. The word joy and the word rejoicing appear almost 350 times in Scripture. Just those two there. We could also look at gladness. And uh, even happiness appears in, in the Bible. So joy is a major theme. But why do we struggle with it so much? Why do we struggle with it? Well, we see that joy is not based. Our joy is not based on our circumstances. As Paul wrote the book of Philippians from jail, he was not in a nice uh, resort sitting on the beach, writing a letter. Let me explain to you of of how you can achieve this or achieve that. Um, If you've ever watched a a YouTube video, you've probably had an ad pop up on it. Let me tell you how I went from being homeless to driving this, driving this Ferrari, you know, and they'll have a Ferrari in their garage. And if you do these couple people probably as, forever have been telling you how you can make get rich quick right and man i've never been so happy in all my life but what happens when all of that is gone what happens when sickness comes when when disease comes and you no longer have happiness from looking at your possessions and we see that the joy of the lord is not based on our circumstances if it was Paul would not be able to have the joy of the Lord in his life. In Acts chapter 16, we read the account of Paul and Silas and how they had been uh, beaten for preaching the gospel. And yet as they're sitting there locked up and they were put in stocks to make them as uncomfortable as possible. And as they were laying there, it says that they began to sing praises to the Lord. They were filled with joy. Now I can imagine as as a guard in that in that jail, that they were not used to hearing songs of praise sung to the Lord coming from from in there. But yet the joy of the Lord is what uh, was everything that Paul did had the joy of the Lord coming out of it. So joy is not based upon yours or my circumstances, and that should be encouraging to us. We can't control our circumstances, but we can control how we are going to respond. But joy is the result of a personal relationship with God. 
a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We can rejoice because in Christ we find everything that you and I need for joy. In Christ we find everything we need. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. If you've ever planted anything, you know that you plant, if you're wanting to grow certain types of trees, apple trees, you grow, you plant the seeds or you buy the certain kind of apple tree. And have you ever had it where you've got a tree that was not marked properly? And maybe you ended up with something other than what was marked. Now, that doesn't normally happen. But we know that the seed that we plant, if we plant corn, if it grows, it's going to produce corn. Joy is a fruit that only comes from having a personal walk with Jesus Christ. It is a fruit that only comes from following the Spirit's leading. So, as Paul says here in uh, Philippians chapter 4, rejoice in the Lord always. He doesn't say rejoice in your circumstances, rejoice in this or that, or that you have this knowledge. But he says, rejoice in the knowledge of God. Rejoice in your personal walk with God. But we see that rejoicing is a command, not an option. There were days that we wish it would be an option, right? Where it was, if you feel like rejoicing, give thanks to God, rejoice, live a life uh, that shows that you are taking joy in him. But it is not a, it is not an option, it's a command. So when he says rejoice in the Lord always, and if you didn't get it the first time, let me repeat it again, I say rejoice. And any time something is repeated like this in Scripture, it's really showing how important this is. I'm going to say it, rejoice in the Lord, and I'm going to repeat it to make sure you get the importance of rejoicing in him. As we heard this morning, the importance of obeying quickly. Obedience is to be done quickly. So it's not, oh, I don't feel, man, today I really don't feel like rejoicing. I don't feel like rejoicing in the Lord. Well, it doesn't matter how you feel. And when emotions are ruling, your joy will diminish. So when we allow our emotions to rule our life, our joy is going to diminish because people are not going to treat you the way that you feel like you should be treated. Things are not going to go the way that you think that they should go. And your emotions will, why is this happening to me? I'm trying to do what is right, and it's not working out. When emotions rule, your joy will diminish. And worry is an enemy of joy. In verse 6 of Philippians, it says, Be anxious or don't worry. Don't be uh, worrying about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving or Uh, giving thanks, being filled with joy. Worry is an enemy of joy. So if you are filled with worry, you are probably not praising God. It's it's hard to be filled with worry and to uh, praise God for who he is. And Lord, I'm thankful that you're faithful. And as I'm sitting here consumed about this, worry is one of those things that can make us sick. It can cause... 
uh, it can cause, well, it can cause you to throw up even if, if you're worried enough, right? It, it's something that it can have drastic effects on people, but yet nothing good ever comes from us worrying. Uh, we never accomplish anything. Um, and in Matthew it talks about who can, who can add, who can add to his height by worry or who can add to this by worry and that nothing good comes of worry. So why not cast those cares on the Lord, go to him in prayer. And it says with Thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God instead of worrying, cast it on the Lord. So joy, uh, worry is the enemy of joy. And then we see that heaven is filled with rejoicing. Heaven is going to be a place filled with rejoicing. There is not going to be in heaven us sitting up there with a scowl on our face. Oh, this is not what I signed up for. It, it is going to be rejoicing like you and I have never experienced in this life. And we ought to get in practice of it here. It's not like we need the practice once we get to heaven, but we ought to be putting it on display here. The joy of the Lord should be guiding us. Um, a third century man was anticipating his death and he penned these last words to a friend. He said, it's a bad world, an incredibly bad world. Have you ever thought that you hear the news, you hear what's going on, man, this world. But I have discovered in the midst of it, a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They have found a joy, which is a thousand times better than any pleasure of our sinful life. They are despised and persecuted, but they do not care. They have overcome the world. These people are Christians, and I am one of them. What a great testimony of faith. I mean, what a great example. And would people write that in looking at your life? They have found a secret to joy that even though they're despised and persecuted, their life is still filled with joy. That's what we see going on in Paul's life. So how can you and I always be joyful? Well, we can always rejoice in that we know him. In the Christmas account in Luke, when uh, the angels appeared, they said, we bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. They were bringing the news of the Savior being born and that it was great news to all people. That that great news of of amazing joy was not just for the shepherds. They said it was for all people. It should still be uh, cause joy for us today, knowing, hey, the Savior has come. We are no longer bound in sin. Do you have that joy when you're talking to others? Hey, can I tell you the peace and the joy that I have found in the Lord? Well, they might think I'm crazy. Well, they probably think that already. So, So what's stopping you, right? Are we going to have the fear of the Lord or the fear of man ruling? Think of what might be if you don't share the good news of salvation. So it it was good news. They rejoiced in that the angels appeared to them and told them of the Savior being born. In 1 John chapter 3, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called sons of God, that we should be called the children of God. What love that God would call you and I sinful, that he would call us sons and daughters. 
Think of the love of the Father that he has for you. That alone right there should fill us with joy to last the rest of our life. That God saw me in my greatest need and he sent his son out of love for me. That I am so loved by the Father more than I will ever understand. But then know that in knowing him should cause us rejoicing. And that knowing him that he said, I will, I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. A promise that we can't give our loved ones. We can't say, I love you and I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. Death could come and we could be gone in an instant. So understand and rejoice that you are privileged to know Christ as your personal Savior tonight. That you are forgiven and that you can know him personally. But then we can always rejoice in understanding that God is in control. God is in control. Proverbs 21 talks about even the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And he controls which way. So understand that although things on the outside may look, man, they're out of control. What's going to happen here? God never loses control. Uh, how many times throughout the week do you lose control? Maybe you lose control of your your attitude and it's not it's not pleasing to God. Maybe something somebody cuts you off when you're driving and and you lose control. Uh, maybe, maybe when you're driving, you lose control, hopefully not, but maybe a deer jumps out in front of you and you uh, lose control of your vehicle. Understand that God never loses control. It's never in question. And that's what reading through the Bible this, this next year, we see God's plan in all things, that God's way is perfect and he is the one who is in control. So I can have joy. No matter what I hear, no matter what I see going on around me, because I know the one who is in control. I know, I don't have to understand it, but I know God is in control and he will take care of it. Uh, in Psalm chapter 18 and verse 30, it talks that, it says that as for God, his way is perfect. That there is, uh, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all those who trust in him. That God's way is perfect. He is in control and his way is perfect. But I can also rejoice because uh, God is in control. His way is perfect. And he's, he promised that he will work all things out for my good. That he will work all things out for good to those who love him. Romans 8 verse 28 that as I'm committed to following him, that God will work all things out for good. I think of in, in the book of Genesis, as we're reading through, I think of the perfect example of that is the life of Joseph. Joseph, you look at what he went through in his life, and the theme of Joseph is how, is how God was always with Joseph, preparing him, and God was working things out for good. And at the and Joseph saw this. He said to his brothers, what you meant for evil, they thought they had taken control. But Joseph saw that God was in control. He said, you might have meant it for evil, but God never lost control. And God was in control of it and meant it for good. So know that God is working things out. You may not see what God is doing in your life right now. You may be confused as to what he is doing. But he is working things out 
for good in your life. Uh, some of you may enjoy putting puzzles together. I get, I get bored with puzzles. Uh, but I often, and I heard somebody illustrate it this way, if you look at one puzzle piece and try to figure out the entire picture of the puzzle, you probably would never figure out the entire picture just from looking at one piece. But once you get all those pieces fit together and see it, you can, a beautiful picture right in front of you. Life, many times, we're looking at one puzzle piece, and we're saying, God, I can't figure this out. This doesn't make sense. But we have to know that God is in control, and he is the one that that put it all together. He created the puzzle. He knows it perfectly, and so I'm going to trust him. So don't trust, oh, this isn't making sense. Know that your view is limited. Trust the creator. So God is working things out, and that passage in Romans chapter 8, that nothing can separate you from his love. Romans eight thirty-seven through 39. Think of that. The one who is in control, the all-powerful creator that we've been reading about, loves you enough to send his son, and nothing can separate you from his love. Tribulation, persecution, famine, nothing can separate you from the love of God. That should fill you with joy. That should, you should always have a smile on your face. God loves me and nothing you can do can change that. Nothing that happens in our world can change that. That should fill us with joy. But then we should always rejoice because you and I can live a victorious life. You and I can live a victorious life here. Uh, God did not uh, place us here and say, well, good luck with figuring it out. No, he sent his spirit to guide us. And in that passage in Romans 8, what can separate us? Verse 37, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life can anything can separate us from the love of God, that we are more than conquerors because of what Christ has done. But then, two more things of what, why we should always be filled with joy and rejoicing. God loves to answer your prayer. God loves to answer your prayer. James talks about James 1 verse 5. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And in Matthew chapter 7, uh, Jesus is speaking there and he says in verse 7, Ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open. And he goes on and he said, If your son asks for bread, do you as a father give him a rock? No, that's absurd. And he said, if you being sinful or evil know how to give good things unto your children, how much more your heavenly father gives good things to them that ask. Our heavenly father loves to answer our prayers as we pour out our heart before him. So to think that I am not going through this life all alone without any help. The father loves me and loves to hear my prayer and answer them. But then lastly, to be filled with rejoicing, just like Paul, though all things change, he is unchanging. The song that we started out, the Lord's my rock. He is unchanging. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Joy is possible because the goodness of God is unchanging. Think about that. Lord, how can I have joy today? Because the goodness of God is unchanging. 
He is faithful. He is good in all his ways. So as Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, tonight, rejoice. Don't just keep it down in your heart. Obviously, it starts in your heart, but let it spread to the rest of your body as well. Uh, Let others see the joy of the Lord evident in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this. Lord, we ought to be the most joyful people. We have been forgiven, and uh, we should be the most joyful people around. Lord, I pray that this week as we go about our week that we would allow that joy to shine forth, that people would see and say, what is it that they have? How do they have joy? How do they have such, such happiness? And that we'd be able to share with them uh, the forgiveness that we've found in you, the hope that we have in you, and the peace that we have in you. So, Lord, I ask that you would guide us now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.